0: This is St. Peter's Sunday Morning Bible Group, and I'm Pastor Adam. Each week, we record our teaching time to aid you in your discipleship and to help create a resilient faith that is able to respond to the changing landscape of culture and life with the fullness of grace and truth. And hey, if you happen to live in the Columbus area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head over to our website at stpeterscolumbus.org. That's stpeterscolumbus.org. Here is this week's Sunday Morning Bible Group.
1: Good morning. Welcome. We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I, I put something on your table. There's one, just a, one copy of this. How many of you have taken CPR classes? Okay. Um, you do that, so if someone, um, you're prepared to do... CPR, right? There's a very similar class called Mental Health First Aid, and um, we offered it here, I don't know, maybe five to eight years ago, but it's kind of like uh, CPR for mental health. And so I just wanted you to all know that you can, you can do that, um, and uh, that's offered in our community. So if you're curious, it'll give you more um info and then the other thing i'm gonna shelly can you just hold up that book really quick there's a there's a book there called hope for troubled minds and did any of you know tony roberts okay so yeah um so he um he is a pastor and mid-career probably in his 40s um had a had a psychotic episode um, and he's a Presbyterian pastor, I think. And then he just uh, was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and um, had, to, had to go on disability. He just was not able to continue pastoring a church. But he has done amazing things um, in bringing awareness to mental health and um, speaks very candidly. He's got a podcast um, and he even um, helped out here at St. Peter's a number of years back. I remember meeting with some families, um, and Tony would come along, um, who had a member that was recently diagnosed. Um, and Tony and I met with them, and he just brought so much to the table from his own experience. And so this book, um, he, he um, collected, there are letters from um, people to their loved ones, in here and also from loved ones with mental illness to others and so I it's a it's st. Peter's owns it if anybody wants to take it with them and and get it back to me sometime or bring it back next week I would love to share but it's just a gem it just got published Um, I got it in the mail within the last month so just wanted you to know that was out there yeah Go ahead, David,
2: take it away. All right, so this week we are talking about caregiving. Um, and we're gonna start off jumping into that. Um, I just wanna say, it like, I think this week's video is, is really great, it really spoke to me, I love it. And we wanna be uh, mindful to leave enough discussion at the end of class, we don't wanna run out of time. Uh, so we're just gonna have kind of a quicker uh, opening discussion question this week. Um, So on the topic of caregiving, this question, uh, what comes easier to you, taking care of others or taking care of yourself? And um, if you feel comfortable doing so, give some examples from your own experience. So let's take a few minutes to talk about that at our tables, and we'll (laughs) reconvene in a little bit. All right, just a few minutes to discuss that. So what are are the, uh, the general consensus that you guys had at your tables? Is it easier to take care of others or take care of yourself? Take care of others. Others, yeah. Others? No, <laughs> you're like, take care of myself. Yeah. We didn't have,
3: if we didn't go to the mental health well, if we went the wound mouth mountain route, none of us would get to the Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: Don't you find the, our Christian upbringing, we're to help people constantly going and helping. And it's really hard to receive that back.
1: Yes. Yeah, like that's what Jesus did, right? Sacrificed himself, right? That's, yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and we kind of, the video does a good job of touching on that. Uh, that those, especially working in the ministry, it's so easy for them to get caught up and, and really put too much of themselves in and not leaving enough. Or themselves or their families at home. Yeah. Any other thoughts? It's a tough thing to balance. That's for sure. All right, let's yeah. <clears throat> let's dive in then. So um, to start off, uh, as I mentioned, we're talking about caregiving this week. Uh, so caregiving can span a wide range, uh, but included in that is caregiving for those with mental illness. So Many people don't realize the impact that mental illness can have just extending beyond the individual affected uh, by, the, by the illness. It also affects family members and close friends and involved professionals. And some of the areas that can cause significant amounts of stress are um, to, the, to the caregivers are difficult decisions that need to be made regarding treatment or care or housing the experience of the illness itself and the disruption to normal family life, the financial burdens of medical and psychological treatment and potential loss of income, and the isolation from the community due to stigma. And due to the potentially high stress nature of caregiving, it's important for caregivers to draw boundaries for themselves in order to support their own mental health and well-being while caregiving can be very life-giving and meaningful for those people, the fact remains that when caregivers are overwhelmed, they become more vulnerable to anxiety and depression themselves. Some of the potential effects they can experience are burnout or compassion fatigue. And I'm gonna go through these, but they're listed on this week's handout at your tables. The first one is burnout. <clears throat> this is a reaction to chronic job. Drop- related stress. It typically looks like exhaustion or cynicism or an inefficient or reduced capacity at work. So basically, you kind of stop caring and uh, I see Trisha laughing over there. She gets it. I get it. I'm kind of burnt out at my job. Um, you just kind of stop caring and uh, <laughs> you. <laughs> I'm getting, getting a little candid I not here. listening to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I'm leaving my job within the less than a (laughs) year, so that's why I'm kind of burnt out. It's like senioritis. I'm kind of like in my last quarter, I'm ready ready to be done. But sorry, getting on a tangent. Um, The next one is compassion fatigue. This is also known as vicarious or secondary traumatization. And this describes the effects of working with people who are suffering from or have experienced trauma. Uh, And that can look kind of like burnout or exhaustion. Irritability, um, but also a chronic lack of self-care. But ultimately, compassion fatigue impacts our worldview and our capacity to empathize with others. So you kind of get like numbed, and you don't, you don't, you stop kind of empathizing with those who may have experienced trauma. The next one is is called burden bearing, and uh, burden bearing is um, it's a gift that some people have. Uh, that allows them to really intensely empathize with others. Um, and this allows the person to bear another's hurt, or at least a portion of it, uh, But this, and this gift really helps these individuals to identify with other people, but it can also really wear them down considerably and cause these effects, such as burnout or compassion.
1: Yeah, and I think sometimes just, sometimes people, this is just how God has wired some people up, you know, they're, they're very able to empathize, feel other people's emotions. And, and then when they're not able to like shut that off, they get home, get with their own family or whatever, or maybe it's in their family. And, the, and it's just a double-edged sword. And uh, it's such a gift and such a ministry. Um, and at the same time, learning if that's how you're wired, like what, how would God have you care for yourself too?
2: Alright, in next week's session, we'll talk more about self-care and some practices for managing anxiety and stress for ourselves. But this week we're going to talk a little bit about how to create some boundaries as a caregiver that can help you to determine when to focus on caring for yourself and when to focus on caring for others. So, uh, the the first way that we can do that is by managing your limits. So limits can be physical, emotional, relational, or spiritual. So to give some examples, physical limits could include your need for sleep or the impact of stress on your body. Emotional limits can include your sensitivity to suffering or your resilience under pressure. Relational limits could include the time you require to maintain connection with your family and friends, the time you need alone to rest and recharge, or the time you need to fulfill other obligations outside of caregiving. And then finally, spiritual limits can include the time you require to maintain your relationship with God or your ability to sustain faith and hope in the midst of suffering. Managing your limits means knowing which areas of your life require time and attention, and knowing how much care you are able to offer to others. and the next one is balancing care with respect
1: can I just give an example before you move on so if you were here two weeks ago um, Matt um, shared his story and he told about Pastor Trimberger being with him and finally he said it got to be like midnight and and I think Matt alluded to this like Pastor Trimberger was kind of like didn't know what else to do, <laughs> and so Pastor Trimberger drew a boundary and he said, "I'm going home. I'll either take you to the hospital or you can stay here." And Matt said, "I'm going to the hospital." And so that's just an example like, like, I can imagine Trimmy kind of being like, "I'm not sure what else to do, but I got to go home and go to bed." <laughs> and so it's just a great, just little like example of you have to draw boundaries sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, a great example. yeah. Uh,
2: this is the, the next way that we can draw boundaries is managing care with respect. Care is demonstrated when you act on behalf of another individual, while respect is demonstrated when you empower an individual to take action for themselves. The balance between care and respect will vary depending on the age, ability, and the unique circumstances for each individual living with a mental illness, but Uh, Maintaining this balance can help you avoid the extremes of offering too little respect, thus encouraging an unhealthy dependency, or offering too little care, thus withholding necessary assistance. So, taking all these things, uh, we look at it. Self-care, self-compassion, and healthy boundaries can protect caregivers from burnout by ensuring that they set aside time to replenish their physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual resources. When these practices are complemented by a knowledge of local mental health services, open communication with professionals, and a strong social support network, then caregivers can really begin to rediscover the meaning and the joy of caregiving.
1: And probably one of the hardest things for caregivers is balancing that that care and respect, like when when am I caring and when am I enabling, and like just the emotional fatigue and trying to figure that out, like what's when am I robbing them of the opportunity to act on their own behalf? But if they don't act on their own behalf, then when and I think that's probably the most one of the most uh, challenging things. Yeah, Trish. So recently
4: uh, dealing with. still wants to be in control, but yet at the same time, he's maybe not making the right choices because he doesn't like his life, like he doesn't like where he's, where he's at at 89 because he can't do the things he wants to do. And that is that is huge uh, because I have to care for him, but on the other side, when I respect his ideas and say, well, let's think about that, let's talk about that, let's, let's you know, not move forward too quickly, you know, let's work on, like, let's slow down, and, and really, and that, what he hears is, I'm listening to him, I'm paying attention to his wants and needs, and then he's easier to get along with, <laughs> like, and I say that respectfully, because at 89, I'm still your dad, and I'm still in control of my life, because he thinks he is, and as long as he thinks he is, he's an easier person to, it's, it makes my job much easier when he thinks he's still in control (laughs) but i i I will plant seeds under the like under the wire like what about this dad let's think about this idea for a little while you know and then finally you know a few weeks down the road well i've been thinking about that and i think that's a good idea you know or i don't really like that idea like so for me, it makes it easier if I really do respect his wishes and wants.
1: And engage him in the process. Mm-hmm. Yes. Instead of just saying, this is what you need to do.
4: And I had to do that a couple of times just a couple of weeks ago, and it was really hard, but I think now he realizes I was right. <laughs> <laughs> so that is really hard. It is
1: really hard. Yeah. And what's hard is when maybe you're right, but the person decides not to do what you think is best anyway, and you kind of just have to... Watch it. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah. I don't know. That it just I see myself in the middle of all of that <clears> and I'm like, oh I need this. I need this. Like <laughs> yeah. go and give me more. <laughs> mm.
2: Yeah, what a great example of that in action. Um oh yeah. Next slide then. So then when it comes to the topic of caregiving, it's important that Uh, We take time to understand the unique dynamics that can occur within the relationships between the people who are giving and receiving care. In particular, disagreements regarding a diagnosis or the need for treatment can create great relational strain. Though some of these disagreements can be resolved with open communication, a different approach may be required if the person with lived experience is unaware of their diagnosis. So uh, up here on the slide, and also on the back side of your handout for this week, we have a list. And these are the varying stages of awareness that a person living with mental illness may experience. The First one is dependent, unaware. So this describes individuals who are unaware of their mental illness and are dependent upon the help and support of others. In this stage, individuals may not realize that they are experiencing a mental illness, or they may not have the language to communicate their experience, or they may simply just reject their diagnosis. This stage is often c- characterized by shame, hopelessness, and a reliance on a few trusted people to manage symptoms. The next one is dependent aware. This describes individuals who are aware of their mental illness, but remain dependent upon the help and support of others, often because they are still in crisis or are in a vulnerable state of recovery. In this stage, individuals have accepted the realities of their mental illness and are aware of the need for assistance and change. Often dependency is shifted from friends and family to professionals. This stage is characterized by a growing knowledge of resources, emotional sensitivity, and the need for encouragement. The next one is independent aware. This describes individuals who are aware of their mental illness and are able to independently care for themselves accordingly. In this stage, individuals begin to take responsibility for managing their mental illness. There is generally a greater awareness of resources, a greater involvement in the community, and an ability to educate self and others regarding recovery needs. And The last one is interdependent aware. And this describes individuals who are aware of their mental illness, independently care for themselves, and contribute to the overall health of the community. In this stage, individuals are able to serve as a model of recovery for others with lived experience. There is a renewed ability to cultivate reciprocal relationships and to contribute to the life of the community while maintaining healthy boundaries and goals for their personal recovery.
1: Yeah, and so, some folks i I mentioned several weeks ago that term anosygnosia, which which is the the term for people that don't have insight into their their mental challenges or mental illness and so not everybody's going to be able to be independent aware or or interdependent aware um but just that kind of helps helps us understand where people might be on that spectrum of awareness and then may help us, guide us in how we best help them.
2: All right, and with that then, we're going to go to our video this week. And... Uh...
1: It's, uh, it's about a pastor and his wife, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just the wife has struggled with mental illness. Mm-hmm. And, the, and so it's very, it's, yeah, it's one of the best ones, yep.
0: I hope you are enjoying this week's Sunday Morning Bible Group. For more information, you can head over to stpeterscolumbus.org. There, you will find more faith content, and you can support this ministry. And don't forget, if you are looking for that local church and you live in Columbus, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning. Now, back to the Sunday Morning Bible Group.
2: So that was the video. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. I loved them. I think it was, it was great. It was impactful. So let's go into our discussion now afterwards. Hopefully, we've, le- we've left plenty of time, so let's feel free to have some lengthy discussions here. Uh, and just kind of basically the same questions that we've been having, uh, <clears throat> it's just uh, tweaked a little bit to focus on this specific video, but anything that stood out or anything you guys want, anything you've learned or whatever you want to discuss.
1: So let's break out. So uh, just finishing up, what, what stood out for you at your table? What, what kinds of things stood out to you? Was it a good conversation? What, yeah.
3: One of the first things, I, I mean, all I could think of um, was our pastors. We've got so much going on in the church here. Um, and how busy they are and all. And. and they should watch this
2: video that okay. is exactly the same thing i thought i think i said that to Jane. i was like i think everyone in our church should watch this video
3: because you do lose perspective um and you know it all came to a climax there when she mm-hmm. said "Yes, i watch your kids he said good mm-hmm. i can get back to the yeah.
1: yeah yeah
3: so but i but i just see so much energy in the church now and everything else. Um, but we've got young pastors with young children and you know there's that
1: burnout. Yeah, and I know Pastor Cordray has been real intentional, like the church council meetings are now on Sundays after the late service. They don't, it's, a, he, he was pretty clear when he came, I've got to protect my family.
2: Something that we talked about at our table was, um, well, how easy it is for people in positions like that to experience burnout. And kind of the, the reason for that is because that's the nature of the people who get into fields like that, like ministry, or helping professions like counseling, or or nurses or doctors, psychiatrists. Like it's in their nature to want to help others. That's why they got into that field. But it's so hard for them to take a step back and put themselves first for a change and say, I need to, I need to set boundaries for myself and and. Uh, make sure I'm being cared for before I can help others.
1: What else stood out for you in your discussion? Yeah. I
4: think um, one thing that stood out to me just because of the work that I do is I work in leave of absence and disability accommodation. And so the first thing that came up to me is here in the United States, if you're FMLA eligible, which everybody isn't, you only have 12 weeks of job protection to take to care for a family member. And so how easily, I mean, if you think about all the research he was doing, all the bridging of communication, I mean, all the advocacy for his wife, that takes a lot of time and a lot of energy, and so how easily something like that could derail your family and your financial stability, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really concerning. And it's only for parent, spouse, sibling in the United States, Mm -hmm. unless there's a different state leave program. And so that, I mean, that was, I I can't even imagine the pressure.
1: Mm-hmm. At the end, she said it was a year and a half, that that journey. And while you're in it, you don't know. You, you think that it could be this way for the rest of our lives. Like, imagine that.
3: We had a lot of discussion here, too, on um, one of the things that came out for Sage was that she just needed to know that she was safe. Mm-hmm. job so there are a lot of people who aren't capable of, of doing that so you're really gonna have to find someone that can't advocate for you. Mm-hmm. And then determining what level of awareness they're at and I'm sure that I mean sage at one point was probably what they say there depending on where. But it's
1: tough. Yeah. The, yeah, we talked about just the vulnerability of the caregiver. Yeah. Anything else? Um, one thing that I just think is so powerful, and it goes back to what you said at the beginning, um, just that we think to be a good Christian is always to be caring for, and just the recognition that Jesus balanced self-care and self-sacrifice, and... Uh, I remember when I first recognized that it was just a real aha for me you know it it says in the mornings he went away to a lonely place and so a lot of times especially good committed Christians have never been given permission like modeling Jesus is taking care of yourself too you know it's kind of like the the video when you get on the airplane uh, about putting the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on, on children that are with you. Um, and I just think that's like, we need to model Jesus and, and take care of ourselves so that we can let God work through us in caring for others. So.
3: We had that discussion too, and then we ended up taking it to what we all do, is um, taking time for yourself, you do, and then you feel guilty because you know that you should have maybe been to the hospital to see so-and-so and that but then you try and justify it and then you feel bad that you're justifying it and it's just
1: yeah yeah so really need to ask the Lord to give you the right interpretation of that the right understanding how do we best care for ourselves so all right well I think that kind of runs us out of time
3: mm-hmm.
1: yep. yep do you want to finish up okay, God, um, Holy Spirit, uh, teach us, teach us um, how you would have us be present to you so that we can best um, care for those you've placed in our lives. Um, And just thank you for the conversations this morning. Um, Thank you for um, the hearts you've given us um, to care for others. Um, Continue to teach us and grow us and lead us. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.
0: Hey, I hope that you enjoyed this Sunday morning Bible group. If you did, be sure to share it and subscribe so we can get you more faith content when it's available. And I want to give a shout out to all people who call St. Peter's home. It is through you that we are able to connect people to Jesus for the first time and keep people connected for a lifetime. We hope to see you next time.